Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it. And he fitted me for my first my pillow. And it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. Sadly, sad news to report as we start this Friday edition of the Sean Hannity Show. Ten have been killed, another school shooting, ten injured. We've got all the details coming up, some of the sounds. It'll break your heart. First, I want to go straight to Texas. It's in Santa Fe, Texas, where the Texas governor, friend of this program, Greg Abbott, is addressing the situation. Mark Henry, I am the county judge of Galveston County, Texas. I'm the chief elected official in uh, Galveston County. Uh, we are uh, unfortunately all here today because of a tragic event that occurred this morning at uh, Santa Fe High School. 
Um, fortunately for us, we did have a rapid response from a lot of uh, state and, and uh, U.S. leaders. They're down here now. Uh, we've spent a little bit of time briefing uh, Governor and Lieutenant Governor Senator Cruz and other elected officials on the events that have happened this morning. Uh, at this time, I will uh, pass it off to Governor Abbott. Uh, well, Judge, uh, first I want to thank you for uh, your tireless efforts over the past few hours to help uh, your county respond to this. Uh, we appreciate you and your entire team uh, stepping up and uh, showing the way uh, to respond to what has to be uh, probably the worst disaster uh, ever to strike this community. Also, I want to express my gratitude to the other officials who are gathering with us here today. Uh, this is uh, just the beginning of what will be a very robust response uh, by both uh, local, state, and federal officials. Uh, we come together today as we deal uh, with one of the most heinous attacks that we've ever seen in the history of Texas schools. It's impossible to describe the magnitude of the evil of someone who would attack innocent children in a school, a place of learning where parents should be able to send their children without fear for their child's safety. It's with a very heavy heart that I can confirm that as of this time, there have been 10 lives that have been lost and uh, another 10 that have been wounded. We grieve for the victims who lost their lives at Santa Fe High School. And we pray for the families who are suffering and will continue to suffer in the days to come. Nothing can prepare a parent for the loss of a child. This will be a long and painful time for these parents as they work their way through what has to be the greatest challenge they've ever dealt with. We mourn with them. We mourn as fellow Texans. But we must come together as one community at this time of enormous suffering and show the victims and their families the support they need and they deserve. We appreciate all the first responders who've already stepped up to help respond to this challenge and we look to God. We look to God to give the first responders as well as the victims and their families the guidance they need in the coming days and weeks as we work to continue to get to the bottom of what happened and very importantly, work to respond to this challenge. I ask the rest of the country to join Texas in mourning the loss of these individuals, these students, and to offer your prayers and support of these families. And I ask every parent out there, wherever you may be, to hold your children close tonight and let them know how much you love them. Now, we have two goals going forward. The immediate goal is uh, to work in the immediate aftermath of this catastrophe, uh, to gather the evidence and information that is needed uh, to ensure that this crime is going to be prosecuted appropriately, while also working in tandem to ensure that we provide uh, the, the families and victims as well as all the children uh, at this school and schools across the entire independent school district with the support and resources and counseling they need. Second, 
We need to do more than just pray for the victims and their families. It's time in Texas that we take action to step up and make sure this tragedy is never repeated ever again in the history of the state of Texas. So beginning immediately, I'm going to be working with members of the Texas legislature, but also uh, members of our communities across the entire state of Texas uh, to begin uh, with uh, roundtable discussions beginning next week where we will assemble all stakeholders uh, to begin to work immediately on swift solutions to prevent tragedies like this from ever happening again. We want to hear from parents. We want to hear from students. We want to hear from educators. We want to hear from concerned citizens. We want to hear from, from those who hold the Second Amendment right uh, in high esteem. We want to hear from everybody who has an interest uh, in what has happened today uh, so we can work to, together on putting together laws uh, that will protect Second Amendment rights, but at the same time ensure that our communities and especially our schools are safer places. These include things like speeding background checks. They also include strategies to keep guns out of the hands of those who pose an immediate danger to others. They include providing more resources to our schools uh, to make sure that they have the safety personnel who can help protect their schools. It also means providing resources to address the mental health issues behind gun violence with a focus to reduce gun violence. It also means perhaps expanding a program uh, that we've seen work effectively in the Lubbock Independent School District where uh, they have ways of uh, measuring uh, mental health challenges of students and being able to identify those who may pose a risk and looking to deploy those strategies in school districts across the state of Texas. Listen, the fact of the matter is, uh, in the fog of the aftermath of a catastrophe like this, the answers are not always immediate, but the answers will come by us working together. Now, that said, I, I do want to cover some of the details of where we stand right now, understanding that we will be providing updates later. I mentioned those who have been identified uh, as being deceased and wounded and we will provide an update on that later on. We are still, uh, law enforcement is still in the process of undertaking uh, both searches and investigation uh, of the entire scene as well as other locations. Uh, they uh, have warrants out uh, concerning uh, the person who was responsible for the shooting uh, and they include warrants to search two residences uh, the reason why there is some slowness in being able to undertake these searches is, is because of the potential for explosive devices uh, to be found in these residences as they want to make sure they're able to enter them uh, without anybody being harmed. Uh, one reason why there is concern about explosive devices is uh, that various different kinds of explosive devices have already been uh, detected. Uh, one uh, was a, a CO2 uh, device, uh, another was a Molotov cocktail, uh, and there are various other types of explosive devices that have been identified both in a home as well as in a vehicle. Uh, there's also a search warrant out for the vehicle of the shooter 
Uh, but again, care and caution is being undertaken uh, to make sure that entry is not made into that vehicle in a way that could pose harm to the people who are trying to enter into it. We also know uh, information already uh, that, there, that the, the shooter has information contained in journals on his computer and his cell phone that, that he said that uh, uh, not only did he want to commit the shooting, but he wanted to commit suicide uh, after the shooting. As you probably know, uh, he gave himself up and admitted at the time that he didn't have the courage uh, to commit the suicide, that he wanted to uh, take his own life earlier. Uh, he is currently at the uh, Santa Fe Police Department. Uh, the Santa Fe Police Department is, is working in collaboration on this investigation with the FBI, with the Texas Department of Public Safety, with the ATF, uh, with the Gal Galveston Police Department, as well as the, the Galveston County Sheriff's Office. Uh, this is something that will be handled uh, uh, co collaboratively uh, by both federal and state prosecutors. Uh, so you'll know there are uh, one or two other people of interest uh, that are going to be uh, and are currently being interviewed. Uh, one is a person who was at the scene, uh, and we, we cannot definitively say whether or not this is a person who, who may have had some level of involvement in the crime. Uh, there was just some suspicious reactions on the part of this person that we want to make sure that this person is adequately investigated. And then separate from that, there is a, another person uh, where we have certain information that uh, we want to make sure this other person uh, is going to be fully interviewed uh, to see if there's information to be gleaned uh, from this other person who uh, at this time will, will not be identified. Uh, as you probably have heard, uh, the weapons used in this attack, uh, there are two weapons. Uh, one was a shotgun and the other is a 38 revolver. Uh, neither of these weapons uh, were owned or, or legally possessed uh, by the shooter. It's my information that both of these weapons uh, were obtained by the shooter from his father. It's my information at this time that the father legally owned these weapons. I have no information at this time whether or not the father was aware that, that his son had taken these weapons from the father. Um, I, I do want to thank all of the multitude of law enforcement agencies that have been involved in this process. They include the Santa Fe Police Department, uh, Galveston Sheriff's Office, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety, League City Police Department, as I mentioned earlier, both the FBI as well as the ATF, uh, the Galveston Police Department, uh, Harris County Sheriff's Office, Texas City Police Department, Pearland Police Department, and Houston Metro Police Department. And um, two things we're working on as we speak. Uh, one is, is to make sure that uh, parents are going to be notified as swiftly as possible. Uh, one thing that depends upon is uh, how swiftly uh, the crime scene is going to be able to be uh, uh, dealt with, uh, with the concern being that for the potential uh, of explosive devices on the crime scene. I think that's something that can be worked out uh, here in a very short period of time. Second, very importantly, uh, is uh, the necessity of providing counseling uh, to everybody involved. Certainly counseling for 
uh, the families uh, for, for any living victim, uh, but for all of the students uh, at the school and uh, I would say any student uh, in the entire independent school district. The, the, I know that resources are being provided uh, by the county for that. They are also being provided uh, by the state and we will have uh, whatever amount of counselors uh, the, the school district needs. I've had the opportunity to visit with the superintendent of the school district who's been quite helpful uh, both in the investigation but also in the response and I thank her uh, for her leadership in this effort. Also, as you've heard, I have received uh, phone calls from the president, the vice president, the secretary of Homeland Security, as well as the secretary. All right, that's Governor Abbott of Texas. Ten confirmed dead now at the school shooting in Santa Fe, Texas. Ten others injured. Uh, I also see that Senator Ted Cruz is there as well. We're getting more information about the shooter, uh, and we'll pass that on to you in our next segment here. There are, there are answers to this. We will get to and uh, get to all our coverage throughout the program today. We have other coverage we're going to get to. Uh, it's shocking today. James Clapper. Oh, it's it's perfectly great that we have spies in the Trump campaign. Wow. That's like, OK, do you just not believe in the Constitution, the rule of law? Very scary. We'll get to all of it. I promise our thoughts and prayers go out to these families again. We have we there is an answer. It's not politics. There is an answer. It's called security. The very same security we give to politicians and to, you know, famous people, actors and actresses. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show you just joining us. Sad news. Ten killed a school shooting in Santa Fe, Texas, and uh, ten others uh, injured. And, you know, I'm listening to the governor and he talked about, all right, we're going to begin next week immediately the work of of finding the answer. There are solutions here. Um, as we have seen in previous cases, we now know that Dimitri uh, Ospog or uh, what is his name? Ospog or Cheese is how you say his name. He's the shooter. Uh, once again, there's social media that shows a lot about this person that obviously these are signs that keep getting missed. And this is a problem. This is a problem. I don't understand. We know we now know explosives were found near the school. You know, you look at this, this guy's wearing a T-shirt with the words born to kill emblazoned across it. He's got a social media page that makes reference to Nicholas Cruz and uh, reportedly now is also armed with pipe bombs. And I think it's really simple. Every school in this country needs a full, complete threat security assessment. Uh, on top of that, you got to secure the perimeter of every school, secure access and entry points of every school. Um, we have to have metal detectors and an ID system for every student at every school. And then there's only one answer beyond that is these instances are over in three minutes. No police, no police force is going to be able to get there fast enough. So you got to have people on the ground. Every floor of every school in America needs two retired, either military or law enforcement people that are working. If they volunteer 15 hours a week, two days a week, and maybe they get a tax break, federal, state, local tax break, they don't pay any taxes. I bet they'd be lined up around the block and you'd have more people than you could ever use. All right, we'll update you with all of that and much more as we continue. Andy McCarthy, Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett coming up today. All right, 25 now until the top of the hour. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We got a lot of new news to get to. Uh, Clapper's comments. Really? FBI spies in the Trump campaign? Oh, this is fine. This is perfectly normal. 
Uh, no, it's not. If you believe in the Constitution of the United States. No, none of this is good. None of this is constitutional. None of the FISA lying to the FISA judges is constitutional. All right, we've got Andy McCarthy today. We've got Greg Jarrett and Sarah Carter and, and so much more coming up in the course of the program today. Um, I, it, it really should shock the soul and the conscience of everybody. Now we have 10 dead and we have 10 more injured in an, yet another school shooting. You know, it is um, it is very frustrating to me because the answers are there. This is not political for me in any way, shape, manner, or form. Demetrius Pagarchis is, is, is this guy's name. And Demetrius, you know, what, what do we find? We found the same thing we found the last time. Social media telegraphing foot, you know, fingerprints of this guy saying that, oh, I'm probably likely to commit a school shooting. You know, pay attention to me. And once again, we ignore them. And that's a pretty big problem. If a kid's posting something online, uh, a T-shirt with the words born to kill emblazoned across it, that's a problem. Because most parents would say, get that thing off. What's going on? What do you mean born to kill? Or if he's referencing Nicholas Cruz, the shooter down in Parkland, uh, Florida, then, you know, obviously there's something wrong here. And again, the signs seem to be missed. Now, some of the other news that has come out of this, remember, 10 dead now, Santa Fe, Texas, 10 are injured. Uh, we also know that uh, local news down there reported it, that, in fact, with the suspect in custody, according to law enforcement, the sheriff down there, his name, Ed Gonzalez, said a male suspect in custody, person of interest, also detained in question, Governor Abbott mentioned the same thing as well. Police found pressure cookers, pipe bombs around the school. That's now been confirmed by numerous law enforcement and by the governor. There's an active surge for explosives in the area. People have been warned to be careful. Two students and a school resource officer were shot and injured in the shooting. And, um, you know, we know local hospitals are doing what they do, and that's saving lives. And thank God for these first responders and these law enforcement that got there as quickly as possible. Uh, one Santa Fe high school student gave an unbelievably chilling account. Gunman's wearing a trench coat with USSR on the back. Fire alarm is pulled by a teacher, not by the shooter. And uh, we heard popping noises, the student said. Then we saw people running across the field, and they were like, shooting, a shooting, a shooting is happening. Student was with his friend, didn't want to speak but allegedly witnessed the shooting firsthand, apparently ran into an art class and just started unloading bullets. He had a shotgun and apparently a revolver that appears to uh, be owned or was owned by his father. He explained that the gunman shot multiple other people before a friend ran out of the classroom, notified a teacher the alarm was pulled. If that alarm was never pulled, I think there would have been more casualties. The students also gave a description of the, the student. We know who it is. We can't give out his name. He's wearing a trench coat. I think it said USSR on it. That's what it said on the back. Um, uh, why have we not done a threat assessment of every school in the country now? A full-on security threat assessment. Why have we not done, you know, monitored and secured the perimeter of every school and the entry points of every single school in America? You know, why haven't we done that at this point? You got to ask. 
Because if we don't do it, it's like the definition of insanity. Doing nothing or the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's not going to happen. And the second thing, of course, then every entry point must be monitored. Nobody gets into that school without proper identification. Nobody should get into any school now without a metal detector. We all go through it in airports. We're all kind of used to the drill. There's a way to do it. If you have a kid, like in the case of the Parkland shooting, that he's not allowed to bring a backpack to school, he's that troubled, well, then, then there's got to be an intervention of some kind. And then I would add, yes, we do need concealed carry, retired military and police, two on every floor of every school. Hannity, that's so expensive. Okay, you're right. I do think local law enforcement, the FBI would be glad to do security threat assessments for every school. That We can do that for free, the money we're already spending. And then on top of that, if if local districts don't have the money to pay for people, well, maybe we can create an incentive by no federal, state, local taxes for those that volunteer, you know, two days a week, three days a week, whatever it happens to be, retired military, uh, trained, concealed carry people, former law enforcement. They do they line up around the block. You have bombs found all around the school. Nobody's, nobody's watching in the perimeter. This is a problem. I'm not casting aspersions of blame here. I'm trying to find an answer so that we don't have to, you know, talk about, you know, 10 more families having lost their children. Why don't we use the same protective methods that have been proven to work for politicians and for, you know, Hollywood actors and athletes and stars? They get protection, armed protection everywhere. If we can prevent this from happening at the Oscars, we ought to be able to have it happen and protect every school. It's ridiculous. This is not a political issue. It's not a gun issue. Every time it happens, the worst, you know, it's always a different gun. So that's not the issue here. The issue here is, well, there is some issues with gun safety. You can't let mentally ill people have guns. Criminals don't obey the laws by their very nature. We also have to have every school district needs to have some person that monitors every kid's social media postings. Maybe they need two people. But you got this is a reality now that they're telegraphing what they're going to do. Terrorists do it. These school shooters do it. We owe it to these kids that they learn in a safe environment. Not have to go through the trauma and the horror of losing their friends or losing their own lives. Or, you know, in a hospital now fighting for their lives. There's a way to solve problems. When are we going to solve this problem? If anyone has better ideas than me, this isn't about who's right. I'm all for it. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. You know, I'm going to do something tonight. I'm not going to do it all here. I think it's important. We'll have full coverage, obviously, and update you on this horrific shooting today. But, um, you know, James Clapper saying that spying on the Trump campaign is a good thing. I'm like, this is the former director of national intelligence. Did you get a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign? They may have had someone uh, uh, who was talking to them uh, in uh, uh, in the campaign, but 
You know, the focus here, and as it was with the intelligence community, is not on the campaign per se, but what the Russians were doing to try to, to instantiate themselves in the campaign or to influence or leverage it. So if there was someone that was observing that sort of thing, uh, well, that's a good thing uh, because the, the Russians pose a threat to, the, to our, the very basis of our political system. And I think it's hugely uh, dangerous if someone like that is exposed because uh, the danger to that person, not to mention the reluctance of others to, to be informants for the FBI. And the FBI gains a lot of valuable information from uh, informants. So to me, this is uh, incredible. Have you ever heard of the Constitution, Mr. Clapper? Have you ever heard of the Fourth Amendment? to our Constitution against unreasonable search and seizure. Have you ever heard about the court system and probable cause, gathering warrants? Did you have anybody in the Hillary campaign because they paid a foreign national after they funneled money through a law firm to Fusion GPS to hire the foreign national Christopher Steele, who then paid for Russian dubious sources that all these stories have now been debunked and lies not only to manipulate the American people in the lead up to an election, but also was used as the as the bulk of information in a FISA application to spy on a Trump campaign associate. Let me tell you something. You you don't get to take it upon yourself, Mr. Clapper, and put spies within campaigns and lie to FISA courts, the people that did that. Uh, just because you think it's a good thing. Did you do it to Hillary's campaign? No. Did you do it to Obama's campaign? No. You just you just want to disregard the rule of law, the Constitution, the Fourth Amendment. How could you be that arrogant? Bragging about illegal surveillance during a presidential election. You know what? That's, you know, that's not America. That's the former Soviet Union. That's Venezuela, as we've said so many times. You know, we need to get to the bottom of what he did. You know, then we got Brennan. Both him and Brennan, known liars. What do they do? And with their, you know, the cryptic threats, stay tuned, Mr. President. Oh, okay. Really? Let me tell you something. If we don't get this fixed, we don't have a country at this point. You know, this is why... You know, now that we know the FBI agents, you know, F FBI informants in the Trump campaign, now we know the FISA court lied to. We know Hillary committed crimes. We know they covered them up. And we know that we don't have equal justice under the law, equal application under the law. Uh, you want to obstruct justice and delete subpoenaed emails and acid wash your hard drive and beat up your devices? Good luck to you in any court of law because you're going to jail. That's only good for Clintons and liberals. It's not good for the rest of America. A two-tiered justice system. This is a very, very dangerous time for this country. The rule of law as we know it, our Constitution is being shredded before our eyes by these deep state, unaccountable actors that literally think they knew better than you that they were going to protect a felon and someone that obstructed justice and then undermine the other candidate. And then when he got in, they're going to set traps for the other candidate and they're going to lead the 
country on this deep dive witch hunt, which is what we've now been going through. You know, they're so concerned about Russian influence. Okay, they should have spied on the Hillary campaign. They should have an FBI spy there, gotten the FISA warrants against her because she controlled the $12 million and paid for the Russian dossier full of Russian lies. Using a foreign national who, by the way, as Greg Jarrett pointed out, in interrogatories in, in Great Britain, in other words, legal testimony of Christopher Steele, ah, well, it was raw intelligence. It's maybe 50-50. Some of it was true. Nobody That was used as the basis of a FISA warrant? Not once, but four times. The bulk of data. They used unverified, never corroborated, a dossier she paid for. They never told the judges that she paid for it. Four separate occasions. You don't want to talk, and this is what I'll explain tonight. This is Watergate on steroids. A, a third-rate break-in that eventually forced Nixon to resign? No. This is so far worse, it's not even close. It's a threat to our republic. And it's all playing out now. It's nothing compared to Watergate. So far beyond in terms of the level of corruption and the players and the abuse of power uh, that is involved here. That's why you see now they're, be, they're scared to death of what the IG report's going to say. So they're leaking now to all their friends in the New York Times and the Washington Post. Oh, it's so dangerous if the FBI informant in the Trump campaign is identified. I haven't mentioned the guy's name. I know who it is. I've known who it is all week. It's out there. We're not trying to hurt people in this. Why was this person an FBI informant? For what reason? Why? Where is the warrant for this guy to be involved in this? Well, you want to just help the bad actors? Spin the facts now, get it out early because it's all coming out because you've, you've been exposed? It's taken a year and a half for me, Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett, you know, and, uh, and so many others to get the information. It's been pulling teeth. And now that it's beginning to come out, now we'll begin to leak it slowly so it doesn't seem as bad. And meanwhile, everything they've been telling us for a year has been a lie. Trump, Russia, collusion. They rigged the Clinton email investigation. She broke the law. They exonerate her. Oh, and also then we've got pro every protocol, every FISA law mandate has been broken. This is disgraceful. Anybody that says anything, you watch out. They're coming after you, too. All right, Jumpin' Jack Flash, gas, gas, gas. All right, Crossfire Hurricane. Uh, Andy McCarthy is going to join us in a minute. It wrote, has been following everything involving Deep State Gate Mueller, the special counsel on masking FISA abuse um, as closely as anybody and has done a remarkable job. Let me first go to Rudy Giuliani um, saying a couple of things. One, he's saying that we're going to look to challenge the legitimacy of the Mueller investigation. And he's shocked to hear about an FBI spy within the Trump campaign. In this case, I think we're going to have to look into whether we can challenge the legitimacy of the entire investigation. Maybe a special prose prosecutor, special counsel never should have been appointed, not based on an illegal leak, not based on a set of facts that go back to, um, I mean, I I'm shocked to hear that they put a spy in the campaign of a major party candidate or maybe two spies. And now I'm going through my brain since you, you know I was a big part of that campaign. I'm trying to figure out who was the spy. Right. <laughs> now I'm wondering, is it this person or that person or this person? Yeah. Uh, 
Now, if there's a spy, they got nothing from it. Look, they'd be able to bring their case right now if the spy had any incriminating information. All right. So the president is correct. This on top of everything that we've talked about. Crimes committed by Hillary. uh, Obstruction of justice. Good luck if you try to delete 33,000 emails, acid wash your hard drive and, and beat up your electronic devices that have subpoenaed information. And that, of course, leading to an exoneration before an investigation. And three days later, what have we been learning? The big New York Times piece. Exactly as I said, when I saw it, I was stunned. One, because it corroborates, confirms so much of what we've been reporting since we first announced in March of 2017 that there was a FISA warrant on Trump Tower, something involving the Trump campaign up to and including today. Uh, The latest piece, unless he's written one in the interim that I haven't seen, is spinning a crossfire hurricane. The Times, meaning the New York Times, on the FBI Trump investigation. Andrew McCarthy is with us. National Review Online. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Thank you. You know, um, there's been a few of us. There haven't been many that have really been trying to dig deeply in terms of print and knowledge of the law and your background having, you know, been involved as a prosecutor uh, on high profile terrorism cases. Uh, Your take is extraordinarily unique. Let's 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 go over all of this from your perspective. Well, I think the big thing that happened here, Sean, is that in the emails investigation involving Mrs. Clinton, they bent over backwards to not make the case. And what appears to have happened in in what's called the Trump-Russia investigation is they seem to have scorched the earth to try to invent a case because there wasn't incriminating evidence. They wouldn't have had to do, uh, you know, really outrageous things like um, use the government's counterintelligence surveillance powers uh, to investigate people. If they had had incriminating evidence, they they would have done what you always do. They would have just opened up a criminal case and and gone forward. Uh, So it seems like what they did was use these extraordinary powers in what amazingly uh, is a situation in which it's the incumbent Democratic administration investigating the Republican presidential campaign, which is just remarkable. I I asked you last night about Hillary. Um, There's no doubt 18 U.S.C. 793 Espionage Act was violated when she had a private server in a mom-and-pop bathroom closet, correct? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it, Sean. In fact, I've always thought the biggest head fake of that whole thing was the big argument over uh, whether she was grossly negligent or not. I mean, she clearly was grossly negligent, but I also think this was a slam dunk case on willful intent. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, under circumstances where she knew that 80% of her job involved classified information, she quite willfully and intentionally set up this homebrew server system. Yeah, likely to avoid congressional oversight, right? Right. And uh, I I think looking to avoid congressional oversight, Freedom of Information Act. But I've always thought the real motivation, Sean, is that the Clinton Justice Department, I think, was run basically in conjunction and in the service of the the Clinton Foundation. And I've always thought that the reason she wanted all of the emails was kind of uh, off-site was because she didn't want that to be detectable under the government disclosure. We do know for a fact, because uh, in the Uranium One issue, we've we talked to uh, at the time. It was amazing. We didn't know at the time, but we had an, an agent undercover that had discovered bribery and blackmail and extortion and money laundering and other other crimes. And Robert Mueller happened to be the FBI director at the time. And this, these were Vladimir Putin operatives 
with the very stated purpose of getting a foothold in America's uranium industry. Um, let me stay focused on the timeline, though. And, and you have no doubt that the deletions of subpoenaed emails, destruction of such acid wash, that that was obstruction, correct? I believe so. I think, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I also think the uh, the guy who did it for them uh, could have been easily prosecuted for making false statements, which is what happens to everybody in the Trump Russia investigation. Instead, in the Clinton investigation. By the way, you know, even if they believe you, like in the case of Michael Flynn, they you know we now yeah, know they right. believe them. Right, but here they you know you commit a felony, they give you immunity. So oh. you know they get you w whatever way it goes. But uh, they could have squeezed that guy for information. Instead, predictably, they gave him immunity, and he came back with a preposterous story that protected everybody else in the investigation. And, and if I did that, yeah, I would be probably in jail, and even a great attorney like yourself couldn't get me out. <laughs> I, you, you, I mean, look at what's happened to these people in this other investigation. I mean, mm -hmm. these, these are the sorts of things that people get prosecuted for. Then let's talk about Comey's role, because now Comey is in charge of investigating this. In May of 2016, he and Peter Strzok, who we now know is a huge Trump hater, um, that they are involved in writing an exoneration. And we know the, the original drafts talk about foreign intelligence services having hacked into Hillary's server. They talk about the gross negligence standard, uh, but that all gets taken out. He gives a 13-minute speech. They interview her on July 2nd. July 5th, they're, they're exonerating her, and then they're off to the races with the Trump campaign. Yeah, I, I think the other important aspects of that, Sean, are that we have, I think the number is 22. I could, could be a little off one way or the other on this. Uh, emails between Obama and Mrs. Clinton when she was Secretary of State. Oh, no, no. They which, changed that to uh, a, a high-ranking Obama administration official, didn't they? <laughs> well, before they completely eliminated it uh, entirely from the, from the statement. But I've always thought that that was very important because you couldn't have prosecuted Clinton without revealing that Obama had engaged in the same behavior, albeit in a, you know, in smaller copies. In other words, he had to know she had a private email server. He had to know that, but it also would have been very embarrassing for him if the Justice Department, now not that I think the Justice Department would ever have, have prosecuted her, but the fact that they couldn't have done it without revealing that he was, had engaged in the same activity she was being prosecuted for, that would have been completely unacceptable. Do you believe, as I do, that they rigged the investigation to allow her not to face consequences for crimes and to keep her in the presidential race because they favored her? Yeah, I don't think there's I think that's one of the reasons for it. I think, you know, there there are other reasons as well, but you know, some of them having to do with the fact that this all happened under Obama's watch and he was implicated in the conduct. Um, but I what? think that it's clear that they rigged it and it's clear that, you know, Obama gave a statement in a very public statement to Chris Wallace, I think it was, in uh, April of 2016, in which he said basically he didn't want her prosecuted, and he rewrote the Espionage Act in the, uh, in mm -hmm. the same fashion that it was later applied by the Justice Department and applied by Director Comey. So, you know, I, I've always thought this was a top-down thing, not a bottom-up thing from the Bureau. What about the FISA abuse? Because, and, and we can go off into the, the origins of the investigation into Trump-Russia collusion, and we're learning more and more about how absurd it was, and their timing is off, their timeline is off, as it relates to George Papadopoulos, and, you know, whatever diplomatic negotiations took place, I think, are revealing, because that probably means Obama and John Kerry knew early on, but let me go into the FISA abuse. 
you know a lot about courts. Uh, you were involved in the prosecution of the blind shake, correct? Right. So I was the lead prosecutor. It would would in any case there be? Do you imagine that that they bring to a FISA court because FISA has very stringent laws, obviously, because you're you're talking about spying on an American citizen. A FISA court, yet you bring bought and paid for, put a dossier put together by a foreign agent that includes what we now know to be debunked Russia lies from Russia and Russian sources. Hillary pays for it, and you present it to FISA judges in an application, and you don't tell them that you know Hillary paid for it, and you don't tell the judge you didn't verify it. Um, okay, why if, do I fear ever doing that to a judge without expecting the maximum penalty? Yeah, you, you'd get your head knocked off by any federal judge, but it's good, Sean, that you emphasize the fact that this is a FISA court, because this is a very specialized practice under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It's one court that, um, with with a very select group of judges, I think there's about uh, 11 or 14 of them, but the only people who get to appeal uh, appear before them are the attorneys in the National Security Division at Maine Justice. And they typically care very much about their reputation with the court because they're very conscious that unlike the kind of warrants that I used to go in to get, where you always knew there'd be a prosecution at the end of the road, so it was going to be disclosed to defense lawyers and, and all that stuff, they know that there's no review other than what other than these FISA judges looking at the government's application. So the, the FISA court has a higher expectation from the Justice Department that they are going to play it completely straight. And are you as stunned as I, though? Really going to hurt them. Doesn't the FISA law require verification, corroboration before you present it in an application? Because remember, the Grassley-Graham memo said it was the bulk of the FISA application or the, the yeah, application well, for the warrant. But but it's even worse because they we had three subsequent renewals. Every 90 days, you've got to renew it. You know, Sally right. Yates was on one. Uh, Rod Rosenstein, he signed off on one, which I think conflicts him out of any role in any of this. But, you know, that means the bulk of information for four separate warrants Four presentations before four FISA judges contain unverified information and, I would argue, a lie by omission by not telling the judges that Clinton paid for all this and that it was a foreign yeah. national that put it together and Russian lies were in there. Yeah, Sean, the, the, the very important thing about the, the fact that they went back three times is you have an ethical obligation the minute you learn that something you've put in a warrant that a court has relied on is wrong, you need to go back and correct the record. And instead, what they evidently did was continue to come back with the same set of stuff, um, even though they weren't able to corroborate it. The, co the requirement to verify the information comes from the, uh, justice, the FBI's practice manual, which is reviewed and, and basically authorized by the Justice Department. So under their own procedures, they can't bring or they're not supposed to bring a, an uncorroborated warrant application to the FISA court. And obviously, once they knew that Steele had lied to them, which they booted them out of the investigation for, they had an obligation to go back to the court and tell them that. They kept uh, using they it. They kept using right. his unverified dossier. All right, as we continue with Andy McCarthy, you might remember Andy writes for National Review Online. He also was the assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, and he was the lead prosecutor in the Blind Shake case. Let me, let me ask you this, because I think this is, you know, really gets to the the heart of the matter here. Then you have this issue of a spy within the Trump campaign. And I'm looking at all that has happened here. And then I'm looking at 
Robert Mueller, and he appoints somebody like Andrew Weissman, who I've covered his background extensively, and you're aware of who he is. Right. And I'm looking at this team, and I thought, I think of Judge Ellis III, and when he said, no, the only reason you're talking about 2005 to 2007 Paul Manafort and tax fraud is because you really want to put the screws to Manafort so that you can make Manafort sing. Remember, he may compose and that the real purpose is to get some information from Manafort so you could prosecute or impeach President Trump. Is that pretty accurate? Is Judge Ellis right? Yeah. You know, look, that's what that's what prosecutors do. I mean, of all the things that they've done, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about the fact that there even is one of these investigations. But, you know, what all the judge did was in a very impolitic way say out loud what everybody knows, which is that when you squeeze people, you're squeezing them to try to get at other people. And what they're obviously doing here and have been doing from the start is trying to squeeze Manafort to see if he's got anything on Trump. And that has included not just the court proceedings, you know, the charges mm-hmm. against him, but the way they scorch the earth investigating him, including the no-knock warrant in the pre-dawn hours where his wife are in bed and they yank him out of bed and cuff him. And they're, you know, Unbelievable. Point, yeah. The tip, by the way, that's Andrew Weissman 101, if anybody knows anything about him. <laughs> that, uh, that was a fairly unsubtle signal, I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, Andy McCarthy, we're, we're going to link your articles because they've been fascinating, and it's a great read. And with your background, very, very powerful information that you're putting in them uh, every every time you're writing one. Thank you for being with us, and uh, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks. My, my pleasure, Sean. Thanks a lot. Andy McCarthy, columnist, National Review, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. All right, got to take a quick break. 800, Greg Jarrett, by the way, Sarah Carter coming up and much more. scandal and the NSA atrocities convince you? You need a watchdog on Washington with insider sources. You need Hannity every day. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800 941 if you want to be a part of the program. Another horrible school shooting, this time in Santa Fe, Texas. And I just, if you have kids in the car, I want to warn you, we're going to play some of the police scanner and and some of the sound parents, students that were there. The shooter just walks right into an art class and starts firing away. And it raises all of the questions, sadly, that I have been bringing up over and over again. When are we going to do the basic fundamental things? And that is full, complete threat assessments, security assessments of every school in the country. We could do it. Local police coupled with FBI go school by school by school and do a complete threat assessment. And then, of course, you got to secure the perimeter of every school. Then, of course, you have to have IDs for every student and anybody that's getting into the school. Points of entry must be controlled. Then, of course, you need metal detectors. There are ways, and then I would add to retired, armed police or law enforcement or retired military on the floor of every school concealed carry and this way we can protect because these instances are over in such a short period of time we can do it anyway let me play from earlier today all right 31 we're making entry 419 yeah. where are you making the entry at 
through the front by front of the swamp. More shots fired, additional shots fired. Still have several more shots fired. He's actually shooting. He's in the art room. We've got we have shots fired right now, guys. We need to help you. Uh, she called me. She said, Mom, there's shots at the school. I thank God was not far away. Turned around, got here as quick as I could, stayed on the phone with her, told her to stay quiet, to stay calm, to breathe. And just waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally they were leading her out of the school. Thank God she's okay. We knew that something was much more wrong than just a fire. We immediately saw 15 cop cars and sheriffs immediately just heading to the school, and we, we just had no idea what was happening. As soon as the fire alarm went off, we all just stood up and exited as normal because we've had fire drills before. We've had many, so we knew what to do. But when we got outside, you could just see that our admin and our teachers knew that something wasn't right, and mm -hmm. they didn't show it at all in the way they were acting. They 100% made sure that we were all safe, but you could tell that they, they knew something was happening. As soon as they started telling us to run across Highway 6, we ran across, and they were telling us to get away from the roads, to get into the ditches, and we stood there for a few minutes, and then um, we had teachers escorting us to behind um, the mechanic shop that is across the street that faces the high school. Mm -hmm. And we stood there for quite some time, and we were all filling out papers just so they could, un like, they could do head checks and see who all was there. And then after a while, they formed us into two lines, and we walked down Highway 6 towards our junior high campus to be where we could meet with our families and know that we were safe at that point. All right, so sad. Uh, eight confirmed dead, maybe as many as ten, most of them students, as he, as he literally walked right into an art class and began firing here. We also know that in addition to the carnage at the Santa Fe, Texas High School this morning, school district officials tweeting out uh, that a number of bombs, plural bombs, uh, were discovered both inside and outside the building. L.A. Times reporting there have been explosive devices uh, found in the high school surrounding areas adjacent to the high school. The school district said in a tweet, because of the threat of explosive items, community members should be on the lookout for suspicious packages and anything that looks out of place. Now, we do have one suspect that has uh, been identified here. The shooter has been identified, suspected shooter, and his name is Demetrius Pagorchis is his name, a 17-year-old who posed on social media with a T-shirt bearing the words born to kill. And as usual, we're finding other social media fingerprints within minutes, which raises the question, why are people not noticing this? You know, a T-shirt with the words born to kill emblazoned on it, not good. Got another social media page making reference to Nicholas Cruz. He's reported to have been armed with, you know, bombs. And uh, anyway, joining us now to discuss, we have Joe Eaton. He's a program director of FasterSavesLives.org. Dan Wass, author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gunner, and his newly released uh, Good Gun, Bad Guy 2, Destroying the uh, Anti-Gun Narrative. Jonathan Giller, author of the number one uh, bestseller, Sheep No More. Uh, thank you all for being with us. You know, again, Jonathan, you have been on this program in a number of these incidences, and then we go immediately within seconds and, and minutes. We find social media postings that said, okay, why didn't we see the signs, the warning signs? You know, Sean, again, once again, you're right. Here we are. We're discussing uh, something that is a repeat of the last school shooting and school shootings all the way back to Columbine, where by and large, these things are, are, tr are traceable quite often. 
And and every time, 100% of the time, um, there's been little to no threat assessment. There's been little to no, if any, even thought about locking down the perimeters, the doors around the schools, and uh, narrowing the funnel so that they can really keep an eye on who's coming in and out of that school and what they're coming in and out with. There's just none of that that's happening. And, Sean, after the school shooting in Florida, I said this, I'll stick with it. Until they do that, there's going to be continued death in schools, and there's going to be increased violence around this country. What's the definition of insanity, Jonathan? You know, doing the same thing over and over and over again, which is nothing, and expecting a better result. It's not going to happen without taking decisive action. I I think I've identified the decisive action. Uh, and And if anyone has better ideas, I'm all for it. But making schools uh, no gun zones isn't working. After I was on your show after the Florida shooting, and we were talking about this exact same thing, you said that, you know, Jonathan would be willing to do threat assessment around the country. I wrote the book Sheep No More, which you wrote the forward about. It's all about uh, awareness and attack survival. I literally had schools and PTAs, the Parent Teacher Association, say that they wouldn't spend the money on it because it would probably never happen at their schools. That's insanity. Yeah. Let me go to uh, Joe Eaton. You uh, you are the program director at FasterSavesLives.org. Uh, um, there have been good programs that can be duplicated, paradigms created uh, that can be duplicated. Why don't we do it? Well, we are seeing a lot of progress in schools, but, you know, the reality is, uh, as one of the sheriffs I met with the school board just last week told the school, do all of this other stuff, harden the entrances, set up the checkpoints, monitor the social media. But he simply told them the truth of the matter is, is by the time a kid has spent one year, two years, or three years in his in your building, they found a way around everything you've put in. You still have to have that additional layer of safety and security. And that's why many of the schools are looking at including firearms in their safety program. And you know, we've trained over 1,300 from 225 districts in just the past five years, and we have over 400 more on our schedule for this summer. They're starting to plan, they're starting to train, and they're saving lives. But you know what? It's 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 got to happen everywhere. It's got to be universal. Um, Dan, I know that a lot of these shootings that we cover, and I, I, I'm looking forward to the day we don't have another one, are happening in these, you know, gun-free zones, supposedly. And, you know, Dan, you, you know, you talk about good gun, bad guy, um, and, you know, the lies behind the anti-gunner. Look, I, I, I don't care if I, I respect the fact that p- some people do not want or might be afraid of firearms. I get it. But you know what? We trust police officers with firearms. They're trained. We trust um, military with firearms. They're trained. You know, uh, I, I, my question, anybody, if you're in a municipal building and as an active shooter or you're in a school and there's an active shooter, would you prefer to have trained professionals with concealed carry weapons on them or not? And for me, the answer is simple, and it's not a political issue for me. Oh, Sean, I think the answer is clear. And by the way, I just want to say it's an honor to be on your show. And when it comes to holding the liars accountable, you're a one-man wrecking machine, and we appreciate you very much. That means a lot. Um, Thank you. Well, here's what we're going to see next. We're going to see the the very sinister um, anti-gun radical uh, media and uh, and just anti-gun radicals come out and try to use this like they do all the other uh, incidents to foster more irrational gun fear and more uh, unjust hatred and anger toward gun owners. 
And uh, this is the stuff that changes the narrative uh, to a, to a neg- into a negative thing. And this is the stuff that I uh, do my best to try to expose, and I know you do too, um, exposing their tactics and their strategies, uh, because what they're doing by, uh, by turning this into an anti-gun, anti-gun owner uh, 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 narrative is, is really probably the most evil thing we could do. We need to look at our society and look at the cause. How, what are we doing to cause, um, create these killers in our society? What's going on in the minds of, of these kids? I mean, we know how we create the foreign terrorists. We know how that happens. What's happening with our Listen, kids? I, I don't know the answer to it, but they're telegraphing it almost every time. I can't think of an instance, and that goes for people that are committing acts of terror or kids that eventually become involved in these school shootings. They're, they're, they're putting it right out there on social media. There's yeah. got to be some monitoring by these schools of these students, not to be nosy, not to be intrusive. Just look at their public postings. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's and that's perfect. We need to do that. We need to we need to identify the problem, and we need to harden our schools first and foremost. But I think we need to get to the cause. What's the cause? Because we're always chasing around the effects, but we're never really looking at what's causing these kids to do that. Once no, we I think it, I, listen. I think that's a, a very good point, and I think that's part of it. I will take a break. We'll come back more on this terrible shooting, another school shooting, this time Santa Fe, Texas. More details coming up as we continue with Joe Eaton. He's the program director at FasterSavesLives.org. Dan Wass, author of Good Gun, Bad Guy. Uh, also, Jonathan Gillum, author of the bestseller Sheep No More. Before we even get to the cause, I think we need to secure every school. And then, absolutely, you know, one thing, what, in the case of the, the Parkland shooter, one of the things we learned is this was a very troubled kid. He couldn't even bring a backpack to school. You know, he'd been disciplined yeah. over 50 times. They threw him out of school. How did he get into school? Yeah, again, you know, schools are looking at doing a lot of this. And, you know, we work with hundreds of different districts, and the mindset's starting to change in the schools. I think that's why programs like the Faster Saves Lives program is so okay, important. You keep to get saying that, schools. but I don't mean to be rude. What percentage of schools are doing this? Well, we have worked, just our volunteer nonprofit have worked with uh, 225 different districts in just five years. And how many schools and, are in the country? About? Uh, I know in Ohio that there is about 700 school districts. So we we have worked with roughly probably 20% of the school districts in Ohio. But the schools are are working outside of this program also. And the reality is, is that they realize they have to keep doing more and more every time. These events are going to continue. Why? That's that's a question that somebody has to answer. But the fact is that that violence is going to continue no matter whether we wake up in a magical world tomorrow with no guns or not, there's still going to be people committing violence, and they have to be prepared for that. Well, I mean, that's the scary part. And, and Dan, this is the thing. Um, I'm not saying everybody needs to, to be a responsible gun owner. Well, anyone that has guns d- does need to be. I think there's certainly s- strong arguments to be made about criminals not having access to guns, but by their very nature, they don't obey laws. Uh, certainly people with mental health problems should not be allowed near a firearm. Um, but more importantly, we, we've just got to assume the worst at this point, don't we? I, yeah, well, yeah, I think so. And that's why I say, you know, hardening the schools is most important, first and foremost. But, you know, another thing that comes from the anti-gun radicals is they want 
people to think that us, gun owners, guys like you and me, want everyone to be armed in the schools, even the lunch lady. They, they make it look like such a horrible scenario where anything could go wrong, and, and that's what they want to create in the narrative. They want everyone to think that it's going to be the Wild West. The truth is, there are some people who are inclined to carry a gun. You know this. I know this. And we have friends who who are capable and and trained. These are the people that should have the opportunity in the schools, whether they're teachers, whether they're whatever faculty. See, but I don't even think we should put the responsibility on teachers. My idea would be that any retired law enforcement, retired police officer uh, or, or retired military person that wants to serve their local school district, here's the deal, um, that they get that that they would get all state local federal taxes removed from their life all of it if you give say 15 hours a week why don't we incentivize them that way it doesn't cost school districts a penny it doesn't cost the country a dime and and for the most part nobody's going to miss you know whatever money they would be otherwise paying in taxes give these guys a break an incentive to go and serve their local district i guarantee you you'd have more people signed up than you would ever need Absolutely. And the NRA is, is backing a, the National School Shield program, which I'm sure you've heard Dana Lash talk about. Mm-hmm. And that's another another great example from what I see of it now. A great example of, of training p- police officers to uh, to be able to handle these situations. Now, these situations in schools are going to be a little bit different than what an officer might experience out in the street. So I, I think that's another another great a uh, great way of doing it. But yeah, wow. um, people who are who are capable, absolutely. All right, guys, thank you. We'll have more coming up later in the program today. Quick break, right back, and uh, we'll continue our news roundup, information overload hours next. Everything we think we know about the Trump Tower meeting, what Donald Trump Jr. testified before the Senate, um, uh, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, and and the version of events based on the transcripts that we've all read today. Do you believe those version of events, or do you think we don't actually know what happened in that Trump Tower meeting? I think there's still a lot that the public uh, does not know. I know there are a lot of things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew a lot when I was in government, uh, but I... Do you know I more am... about that meeting than we do in the public domain? <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about what I might know or not know about particular <laughs> Well, I only ask because you just said, you just admitted it, so I didn't mean to... No, I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying I know a lot about what happened mm-hmm. during my time in at CIA uh, during the presidential campaign that has not you know, come out publicly for a variety of reasons. But I know that Bob Mueller and his team of investigators have uncovered a lot more information uh, and, and are putting the pieces together. So I don't think anybody should assume uh, complete knowledge and the truth about any of these uh, interactions or meetings. They may have had someone uh, uh, who was talking to them uh, in uh, uh, in the campaign, but you know the focus here, and as it was with the intelligence community, is not on the campaign per se, but what the Russians were doing to try to to instantiate themselves in the campaign or to influence or leverage it. So if there was someone that was observing that sort of thing. Uh, well, that's a good thing uh, because the, the Russians pose a threat to, the, to our, the very basis of our political system. Mm. And I think it's hugely uh, dangerous if someone like that is exposed because uh, the danger to that person, not to mention the reluctance of others to, ser- to be informants for the FBI. And the FBI gains a lot of valuable information from uh, informants. So to me, this is uh, incredible. 
former director of national intelligence. Yeah, that that's pretty incredible. Oh, sure, it's fine to have a spy in the campaign of, of Donald Trump. Okay, can somebody please hand this man a copy of our Constitution? You know, against, you know, we do have a Fourth Amendment protection against unreasonable search and seizure. For what purpose, sir, was a spy and informant for the FBI within the ranks of the Trump campaign? You know, or do you really not have a problem with FISA courts and FISA applications, judges being presented information that's never verified, never corroborated, turns out to be full of Russian lies, the great irony of all of this, put together by a foreign national, which I thought was a bad thing to have an influence on our election. And not only that, you didn't tell the FISA judge that Hillary bought and paid for the lies against her political opponent in the lead up to a presidential election. And I, did I mention there was not only the original FISA application, but three subsequent applications. All right. They have been in the forefront of really breaking down this, the, the outrage that extends so far and so deep at the highest levels of the Department of Justice, at the FBI, in the intel community. Uh, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, he has a book coming out about all of this, the Russia hoax, the illicit scheme to clear Hillary Clinton frame Donald Trump. You can pre-order on barnesandnoble.com. Sarah Carter, Fox News contributor, investigative reporter. It was March 7th of 2017 when she and John Solomon broke the story that there was uh, apparently a FISA warrant involved with the Trump campaign. It's taken us that long. And even Paul Ryan is now saying, all right, it's time to end this ridiculous witch hunt to Robert Mueller. Welcome, both of you. Well, I'm stunned by these comments of John um, of Brennan. What do you think, uh, Sarah Carter? Well, I can't even imagine uh, that he would even dare say what he said. I mean, to think of saying it was okay to have a spy, um, an informant inside the campaign, inside the campaign. And I wonder if they had any inside the Clinton campaign. Did they have any inside the Obama campaign? No, they did not. Sean, this is a setup from the beginning, and every time more and more information comes out, I I think I'm more and more stunned, and especially at their own words. This is coming from John Brennan and James Clapper, both of whom weaponized the tools of our intelligence community to spy on incoming president of the United States, and even after, during the transition, because we know they unmasked so many Americans, and at an expedient speed. Didn't they unmask at a rate 350% higher in this presidential election year? And and wasn't people like Samantha Powers doing about an unmasking a day? Uh, of an American citizen, which why would a, a U.N. ambassador ever unmask anybody? That's right. And more than 300 towards the end of her term. And that was Americans. Those are people in the campaign, as well as foreign nations speaking about the people in the campaign. And I tell you this, John, I have one other really big question here, because we know a lot of this, uh, the events that culminated that led to the opening of this counterintelligence investigation into Trump's campaign culminated and began in England. I would like to know what the British think about this and what role the British had in this, because they must have had some role, because these people were all on their territory. And remember, there's quite a few 
still unanswered questions about the people surrounding George Papadopoulos. And, and if they say he was the beginning, well, then I ask questions about the people surrounding him, like uh, Joseph Misfoot, like uh, Stefan Halper, uh, Alexander Downer, the Australian ambassador. What was going on there and what was going on in England? These are questions that are still left unanswered, and I think there's more unraveling to do here. Let me go to Greg Jarrett and, and let you weigh in on all of this. And the only reason I I'm now we know that we're even learning about the spy is because the IG report is only a couple of weeks away. And so the deep state that is known about the spy that was in the Trump campaign for the longest time. Now, Brennan actually saying it's a good thing. No problem. Where's the warrant and why the double standard? But I think this is all now a slow document dump on their part to take a lot of the sting out of the inspector general's report which likely will lead to criminal referrals because so much of this activity in the obama administration whether it be brennan or clapper or comey mccabe the list goes on and on this appears to be classic abuse of power which is a crime 18 usc 242 deprivation of rights under color of the law uh, an official is not of the government is not allowed to use their position to violate the constitutional rights of citizens. And as you pointed out, it's the Fourth Amendment, unreasonable search and seizure, right to privacy by using an undercover agent to try to entrap people without legal justification to even open the investigation, either as a criminal investigation or a counterintelligence probe they you, had. You, you pointed out the opening of this Russia probe was had happened long before the so-called Papadopoulos meeting, when, when Strzok had just finished basically rigging the, the Hillary Clinton investigation, when we know they covered for felonies and obstruction of Hillary Clinton. Then they begin this effort under the guise that, okay, well, we're going to talk to, you know, this Australian envoy who got drunk with George Papadopoulos, and we'll have like five-way hearsay here, and, and we'll, we'll start this witch hunt this way. That was all a charade devised by the FBI to cover up their misdeeds, and they peddled it to the gullible New York Times. The truth is, it all began with Christopher Steele, uh, mm -hmm. an ex-British spy who's probably not ex at all. He composed, on June 20th, 2016, the first dossier alleging Trump-Russian collusion. He then peddled that within weeks to the FBI. An agent met with him. And shortly thereafter, the FBI launched its illegal can I, probe can I interrupt of you Donald because Trump. You reminded me the other night on television that in interrogatories in a case in Great Britain, Steele is on the record admitting himself he doesn't think his dossier is true. That's true. I had, I mean, it took a while for me to dig up these interrogatories because they're in a British uh, court over a libel lawsuit. Yeah, by the way, that's what we all do in our questions. spare time. Every one of us, we go dig up inter <laughs> interrogatories in Great Britain because we're bored and we have nothing else to do. Well, I know how to read them because I used to propound <laughs> interrogatories. By the way, I, you're doing it because them. this is how great your book is. I'm totally being a jerk. Tell me to shut up. <laughs> Well, it's 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 in the book, and I quote his the answers. The a jerk. Great. Oh. No, no, no. I quote his answers to the interrogatories in which he essentially admits, well, you know, this is raw intelligence. Not all of it's accurate. It's 50-50. You know, this is a guy 
who launched the Trump-Russia investigation that uh, tried to bring down a president. And frankly, he was just making most of it up. And now he sort of admits it. What's your take on all that, Sarah? Go ahead. Oh, but I think this, it goes, you're right on, Greg, but it goes so much further because remember, he was connected to people inside the United States intelligence community and the FBI even before before he put the dossier together, before he was hired by Fusion GPS and the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. This is somebody that they knew. So the question here is this. Did they utilize him to do this? And I think more and more we are seeing that to be the case. So they hire Christopher Steele because they've already known him. They already have a relationship with him. Let's not forget about Sidney Blumenthal and Cody Shear and the people at the State Department that were very well connected uh, to Christopher Steele and Cody Shear's own dossier. I mean, if you look at this on its face, I mean, it really appears to be that this was something that was pre-planned. There was no evidence here that they stumbled on that required them to open up this investigation whatsoever. We have not seen one ounce of criminality, and that's why they had to open up this counterintelligence investigation. I think Andrew McCarthy was right on the money with this. They opened up this counterintelligence investigation because it gives them the latitude to weaponize and utilize our U.S. intelligence community to spy on the Trump campaign. And all of the pieces are starting to fall and they're starting to fit and it's starting to unravel. And now they're fighting back because they know this is all going to come out. And believe me, other nations who know what went on here, they know they were played too. And I guarantee you, it won't just be us telling this story, but other intelligence agencies overseas. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back more with Sarah Carter and Greg Jarrett. And uh, we'll take a little sneak peek. Sarah's been digging deep and getting some insight into what is in the IG report that there were we, that we are expecting. Uh, final half hour of the program, by the way, we'll update you on this horrible school shooting that took place in Santa Fe, Texas. And also give you a little preview of the royal wedding this weekend. Ainsley Earhart is on the ground. She's in London. She'll report for us. Sarah Carter, investigative reporter. Greg Jarrett, his new book coming out soon, The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton, Frame Donald Trump. We have a link on Hannity.com, soon to be in bookstores. Sarah, I want to, you, you reported last night that this is going to be a very thorough inspector general report. Here's my fear. It's already been handed to the DOJ. They now have a, a chance to look at it. They might try to redact information again in the name of national security. Uh, they might have they're going to try and weigh in and change some of the inspector general's uh, findings. Correct. I don't think they'll be able to do that, Sean. And um, it's not just because I'm hopefully thinking that it's because I believe the inspector general has done such a thorough investigation into this. He is just presenting his report to these current and former officials, both in the DOJ and FBI, and then they will have a chance to respond. So what they'll do is they'll respond to this report. They'll make those attachments to the report. And if there is something of national security concern, I'm sure he'll take that into consideration before he releases it to the public. But I don't think it's going to change his mind um, on how he is presenting this report. I don't think there's anything they can do to that. Now, we're only speculating, so are people who have seen the report, uh, people who I've spoken with, that there's a possibility that there may be uh, a criminal referral 
from Michael Horowitz to the Department of Justice prosecutors. Uh, that's speculation. We don't know this now. He's holding this report very close hold. So it'll be about three or four weeks before it's actually made available to the public. But I really, really stress, I don't believe that the inspector general is going to be swayed. I don't believe the inspector general is going to change his mind. It's going to be very similar to the McCabe report where they allowed Christopher Ray to view the report. And once he did, guess what happened? McCabe was fired. And uh, now there's a criminal referral on McCabe. Do you think that this goes all the way or are they going to find some sneaky way to maybe protect the deep state? Greg Jarrett. Well, they'll do everything they can to cover it up. And Rod Rosenstein's uh, at the head of the class on that. And he receives the report from the IG under DOJ regulations. And, you know, look, he's the guy who has fought and is still fighting uh, to reveal information about the undercover informant that has already leaked out. Uh, And and this is the guy who's going to get an opportunity to take a whack at the IG report before it's made public. I mean, that's like letting a dirty cop uh, review and edit a criminal complaint against him in advance. Uh, It's corrupt. I don't think when these regulations were enacted that anybody ever thought there would be this kind of a scenario with a Rod Rosenstein uh, enabled. All right. I got to let it go there. Thank you both. You guys have been amazing. Uh, Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We're going to update you on the Santa Fe, Texas shooting from earlier today. I mean, another shooting. We've been telling everybody how to protect our schools. Uh, We have some of the sounds from that. It's heartbreaking. Uh, We'll go to London. Ainsley Earhart is on the ground there. She'll give us a report on the big Windsor wedding. It's really a Cinderella story in so many ways. I mean, I I give all credit to Harry in this, and I'll tell you why when we get back on this Friday. Hannity tonight, we got an amazing show. Why all of this is so much worse than Watergate and the latest on this terrible shooting, 9 Eastern. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour here on a Friday, and we will dispense with our usually, well, we usually have some fun at this time on Friday, our Florida Georgia Line Friday concert series uh, with all the news breaking today. Obviously, we're covering the story out of Santa Fe, Texas, another high school shooting, explosives found on and off campus after the shooting deaths, which would lead one to believe there's a, a much wider conspiracy involved in all of this. We have fatalities, and uh, here's some of what went down just a little before we went on the show today. She called me, she said, Mom, there's shots at the school. I thank God was not far away, turned around got here as quick as I could, stayed on the phone with her, told her to stay quiet, to stay calm, to breathe, and just waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally they were leading her out of the school. Thank God she's okay. Our assistant principal and our principal telling us to run and get across um, mm-hmm. Highway 6, just get as far away from the school as we could, and we all just, we, we knew that something was much wrong, much more wrong than just a fire. We immediately saw 15 cop cars and sheriffs immediately just heading to the school, and we, we just had no idea what was happening. Just so sad, that last comment was from a student. You heard from a parent, and, you know, what motivates such such unmitigated evil? It's a, it's a question I don't know the answer to. I don't know. In this particular case, this guy walked right into a, an art class, apparently, and just opened fire on fellow students. Now, we have talked at length about this issue. It shouldn't be a political issue. Every school in this country could get local police 
law enforcement, the FBI, and they should get a full and complete threat assessment. Entry points of the school have to be monitored. We have to secure the perimeters. Uh, The next thing I would do is you'd get metal detectors. Every kid going into a school has to have identification, go through a metal detector so no weapons can be brought into the school. And then the next thing is, of course, well, we need first responders there because most of these incidents are over in three minutes. So on the floor of every school across America, we need retired police, military with weapons. Anyway, joining us now to discuss this and so much more, we actually had had booked uh, Ainsley Earhart, one of the co-hosts of Fox and Friends. She is in in London for the coverage of the royal wedding, which is taking place, I believe, 7 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. A big congratulations. Her now new book that has been out as a number one bestseller, three-time New York Times bestseller, three weeks in a row. And uh, it's a phenomenal book that talks about one individual's journey, her journey into life and success. And it's very revealing and it's heart. It's actually at times it's heartwarming to know that somebody will share, you know, their own personal information to help other people. Uh, Ainsley joins us from London. How are you? Hey, Sean. Uh, I'm good. I'm just listening to that coverage and sorry Scary. I'm getting choked up because I have a child back home and um, my name. Gosh, the lady who um, watches over my daughter is sending me all these pictures of my daughter, and I'm listening to that coverage, and it breaks your heart because families will not see their kids again. And it's just hard. It's just awful. It's so sad. I am all for arming the school resource officers and putting officers in our you know, just to guard our schools, because if someone did that to my child, I'm looking at these pictures of her that were just sent to me. It's I feel so sorry for those families. You know, the and it happens. You know, the problem hard. is it keeps happening what? again and again and again. And I, I this is not a political issue. If people would, would no, just put aside not. the predictable it's gun it's debates. It, it, here's the question. If you're in a municipal building, a school building, usually these are gun free zones. But here's the question. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent or a student, would you rather Mm -hmm. have on every floor of every school in America two retired, concealed carried military police officers on every on every floor? And my answer would be yes. I don't know why we don't do it. You know, we all raise our kids and you want to give them a better life. And we work our tails off, Sean. We work our tails off. How many hours a day do you work? You miss your kids' events. You, you, I'm over here in London, and I enjoy this, and I love my job. But I'm doing this to give my daughter a better life. And every single decision I make is for my daughter, every single decision. And I, that's why I appreciate and love my parents now. And that's why we all hear you love your parents more when you're a parent yourself because you understand what they did and why they did it. And so these parents who are left without their children because of one stupid jerk who goes into these schools with a gun and wants to destroy other lives, it makes all of us furious because you're changing the lives of these parents and their siblings forever. And, you know, I I believe in the afterlife and I believe in God. But when you see someone do this, honestly, I don't understand why they do it. I really don't. When I wrote the book, Deliver Us From Evil, and I did all the research for that book, the thing that really just jumped out at me is, you know, as I was, for example, I, I did a whole analysis of communism and, yeah. un, and you know, Stalin and fascism and communism and Nazism and, you know, the killing fields, Cambodia. You could take it 
from a macro level to that to a micro level and all these horrific evil school mm-hmm. shootings. And it's mm-hmm. it's hard for good people, I think, to wrap their arms around the fact that there really is evil in this world. And it's a dark place at times. And often out of darkness comes, you know, incredible heroism. We, we see that with first responders and police and law enforcement. And I think it's just as we have to recognize that there are these evil people because this keeps there happening. Are. And we, we, yeah, ha- we have a duty and a moral obligation now to never let this happen again. The only you know, way I know is to do what I suggested at the beginning of this segment. To arm our officers. Absolutely. We're in London. Sean, I'm walking around. And I'm seeing all these all these police officers guarding us and they have batons. They don't and have like, guns. What if some guy pulls up. They don't have guns. They don't have guns. And I believe, I grew up in a in a family where my dad and my brother hunt. And there you have to there's I am I'm fine with guns. I am because I know you have to be responsible and we were taught to be very responsible. We were taught to be scared of the gun, but also to know how to how to defend yourself. Like my father, he has guns in our house in many of the rooms upstairs. So if a protruder came into our house, he even talked to our pastor about it. There was a guy who was breaking into all the house in our neighborhood and in our neighborhood and he talked to the pastor and he said, Is it okay if someone comes in, would God forgive me if I shot someone who came into my house? And that's how good my dad is. Because normally everyone would just say yes. And my dad was in the military, and he just still wanted to make sure that was okay. You have, and, you, we um, do have right pastor, as human beings to protect our liberties and our freedoms. You there's, do. there's no doubt about he it. He taught me how to do it. He well, I was a, I've been a marksman I'm a since. Child. Yeah, I've been a, I You're personally what? have been a marksman. My mom worked in a prison. My dad was a family court probation officer. I, I personally have been a pistol marksman since I'm 11 years old because my mother, in particular, kept a revolver loaded on the side of her bed, and they wanted to make sure I was not a curious child and that I learned very, very, at a very young age, safety, gun safety, security, how dangerous it was. And and I'm glad I did, to, to be honest. Let me uh, move on one second. First, I got to congratulate you. Three weeks in a row, New York Times bestseller list. Um, we had you on talking about the book. It's called The Light Within Me, and it's in bookstores, barnesandnoble.com, Hannity.com, if people want to get a copy. Congratulations on the success. The thing that really stands out is that you made a very conscious decision, obviously, to go to do a deep dive into your life and your spiritual journey and share it with other people, which I think is a very hard thing to do. And if anybody heard you when when we launched the book on the show for you, um, it really is hard to talk about a lot of these things, but you did it anyway. Why? Because of situations like this. Uh, I just want to, I'm not trying to push my faith on anyone. I just know what God did in my life. And I was searching and searching and searching. And so, you know, you never know. We were out today in the middle of the of all this pomp and circumstance. We're, you know, following the wedding stuff. We're in Windsor right outside of the castle. And there are uh, people popping those those poppers that make a, a loud noise. Sounds like a gunshot. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? Yes. And so if you're ever in a situation like that, I just I just want people to know my story and what God's done in my life. I'm not trying to push it. If you're searching and you're in this hole and you feel like you can't get out, which is where I was, and I grew up in a Christian family, I just did not have a relationship with Christ. And so finally, when I accepted Christ because of all these friends that were surrounding me, I lived in, I grew up in the South, and that was such a joy because there's so many Christians there where you're surrounded with people who, the reason the South is so nice and so good is because you are taught from an early age. Um, that 
just love other people and the love of Christ. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. (laughs) Yeah, you better get your yes, ma'ams in. Now, you learn that. You learn that for respect. Well, I was not the best at that. Oh, I wasn't the best at that. I was an incorrigible child. Incorrigible. (laughs) I swear. You always use that word. You always say that. All right, let, let me ask you, you one question. What did you do? I, I did. I was a horrible son. I was just awful. I just did what I wanted, and I never listened to anybody. And I, I was rude, and I talked back, and I ran out of the house. And I think I aged my parents. You know, they, they both Aww. died fairly young, but I think I was so bad that I think I aged them at least 10 years. Did they see your success? Well, my father died six months after I started at the Fox News Channel. Um, and he did, and I was on radio in New York at that time. They had not heard my previous career in radio because I was five years Rhode Island, five years California, two years Alabama, four years Atlanta. And then I made it back to New York and they would listen. They would watch the TV show. I got them a satellite dish and then they would listen to the three hour radio show. And my mother would say after my father passed away six months after I started in New York, I got where the heck did all of this come from? Because I, I never Aww. saw it. Um, let me ask you this. So I, I'm following you're you're doing the coverage for the for the Fox News channel on this royal wedding. It's at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. tomorrow. I guess coverage starts before that. And I'm watching this story. And it really, to me, is a Cinderella story. And I'll tell you who the hero to me is, is Harry. And, and, and I'll tell you yeah. why, because. You know, here is a girl whose father just had a heart attack. You have a stepbrother that's saying, Harry, writing notes, don't marry my sister. Uh, the father, you know, selling pictures. The father's in. The father's out of the wedding. I mean, it just driving everybody nuts. And it just doesn't seem to have phased Harry that he loves this woman. I know, right? So the, I'm reading a book right now about her. And the brother said this, quote, talking about her dad. He was so happy. He spent every minute with her. My dad was more in love with her than anyone else in the world, and that included Doria, which is his wife, his second wife. She became his whole life, his little princess. She was just blown away by Megan. He was just blown away by Megan. So I thought, wow, he really loved her. He won the lottery. He won a $750,000 lottery ticket. He gave it to his friend because he was going through a divorce. He didn't want his wife to have that money. And so he went through a divorce. He's going through a divorce, gives it to his friend. His friend cashes in on the ticket. They start um, this jewelry company, this jewelry um, store. And his friend, allegedly, according to this book I'm reading, um, runs away with the money. So he has to declare bankruptcy, but he had just enough money left over to pay for her school. And it sounds to me, based on this book I'm reading and other articles that I've read, that he really loved her. But when you read the statement where she says, I really care for my father and her father's not walking her down the aisle. And many people here in Windsor are upset or in London are upset with how the royal families handle that. They wish that they had flown her dad over four weeks ago, taken care of him, put him up with security and made sure he was fine and protected. But he gets caught with these paparazzi photos. And so many of us are asking, why did she release a statement that says, I really care for my dad? Instead of, I care for him, I wish him the best kind of thing. Whereas most of us would have said, I love my father and I am so devastated that he's not here. So there's something we feel like is going on there. Um, But But at the end of the day, she's an adult. It's her life, right? I mean... Right, right. There's a half-brother, there's a half-sister involved. Uh, The half-brother was arrested in January 
for grabbing a gun and pressing it against the head of his girlfriend. So, I mean, that's... I'm sure the queen is loving all this. (laughs) I know, I know. The sister is writing a book. They haven't talked. They've been estranged for 10 years. Sister's writing a book called The Diary of Princess Pushy's Sister. So, you know... That's that's, that's just awful. That's awful. People can be horrible. I mean, that... They're not um, invited to the wedding. Nor should they be. I'm rescuing you. Um, I've got to let you go because just for the constraints of time. So you're in London. Uh, What what time does the coverage start tomorrow? Coverage starts your time, 5 a.m. Okay. And we'll be on through the wedding. It's 12. The wedding is at 12 here, which is 7 your time. But we'll be on 5 a.m., Fox and Friends first. Well, actually, it's the weekend. We're going to start earlier. They don't have Fox and Friends first on Saturday. So we'll start at 5 a.m. and then we'll go through the wedding. All right. We'll have a a great time in uh, London. Uh, Ainsley Earhart, host of uh, the number one morning show on cable, Fox and Friends. And now her book, Three Weeks in a Row, you can get it at uh, barnesandnoble.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. It's called The Light Within Me, and uh, she'll be covering the, uh, Windsor, the Windsor wedding tomorrow. All right, tonight, Hannity, 9 Eastern, the shocking comments of James Clapper. Oh, it's a great thing to have spies in Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Really? This is the United States, right? All right, Sarah Carter, David Limbaugh, Tom Fitton, also the latest on this terrible shooting. This one in Santa Fe, Texas, Sebastian Gorka, Geraldo Rivera, Sarah Sanders, she's going to join us, uh, Match Lap, and so much more. 9 Eastern tonight, Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Set your DVR. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday, and our thoughts and prayers for the families that lost loved ones in Texas today. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's HenryUSA.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. You know, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families ever since 9-11. Now, hero first responders and service members, the people that serve our communities, our country, those who die in the line of duty, those who are catastrophically injured, veterans who have fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York, firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Now, Arno was killed while protecting his community. He was battling a warehouse fire. He left behind a wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home 
where they made their memories with their hero. Now you can join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on the mission to do good and support the families of America's greatest heroes. And that means the families of fallen first responders, just like Jason Arno and Gold Star families with young children and catastrophically injured service members and also homeless vets. Please commit to $11 a month. Go to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas. And that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now, Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com.